Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the show that tells the stories of diverse leaders who found belonging in our industry, so you can too. I'm Nicole Kasperson. In our first episode of season two, we're kicking off with Shruti Joshi. She's the chief operating officer at Facet Wealth, a fintech platform that turns the traditional financial planning model on its head and makes it affordable and centered around human wellness. Shruti is widely recognized for driving efficient and rapid growth in B2C and B2B companies, from startups to enterprise. She's a former consumer tech founder and Fortune 15 executive. She was an early investor in Facet Wealth and has been an advisor over the last several years. In this conversation, Shruti opens up about feeling like an outsider and finding a home in fintech. She talks about challenging the status quo of finance by bringing wellness into the conversation and emotions. We also discuss the evolution of how money and identity coexist. I promise it's not what you think. I'm so excited for you all to hear my conversation with Shruti Joshi. Shruti, welcome to Humans of Fintech. Thank you. Live and in person. This is very, very exciting. It is. Um, it was kind of everyone in this room's idea, but largely yours to get us in person. So thank you for this nudge and 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 pushing us to, to be here live. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here in this beautiful space and know, right? you know have a chance to meet you in person 3d you no zoom here no 2d yeah i know i'm, I'm over 2d oh. i'm really into the 3d <laughs> i know i know i love it i love meeting people in the flesh this is so exciting and it there's no other vibe than this one like over zoom anyways so i do want to start off by talking about your background and getting to know you i know your upbringing has really influenced your decision to enter the fintech space, to join Facet Wealth, your chief operating officer, so yes. And tell us a little bit about your background and how that kind of brought you into the fintech space. I'm happy to. So my parents are from India. I had the pleasure of moving seven times all over the world with them before I was 14. Oh my gosh. And okay, wait, so, where are some of those places? Okay, so Brussels, New York City, Philadelphia, Switzerland for a hot second, wow. um, Los Angeles, which is where they are now. And so what was really interesting about that upbringing is not only are my parents adventurous and in some ways a reflection of the American dream of immigrating here and finding new opportunities and going after them, but they were also people that wanted to explore. And so travel was a big part of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and just having a chance to see all of those different places at a young age and realize that there isn't just one way to do something, I think has really shaped who I am. In addition to the fact that they kept getting better and better career opportunities. And so socioeconomically, they kept moving into new neighborhoods and, you know, the lifestyle changes were amazing to go through where they came to this country with literally $800 cash and then ended up building a business and mm -hmm. becoming entrepreneurs and then selling it. Um, and so I think just being on that journey with them has been a huge part of turning me into the person I am today. Yeah, no, I, I completely resonate with that. I haven't lived in like Brussels or any of these cool places, but I did move a lot as a kid. I you know, never really identified with one home. I 
was born and raised in California, then I moved to Texas, and then I, now I live in New York, and I'm a Filipino mom who immigrated from, from the Philippines to the States, and then, you know, dad from LA, so it's like, I've always been an in-between as well, and I agree that, like, these moments and different experiences help make you the person you are today and being able to adapt, and that's what we're seeing even in the industry, right? You, I love Facet Wealth because you sit at the intersection of fintech and financial planning, do you see that like connectivity there where like totally. you are someone who has been able to be so adaptable and now you're in a space that is disrupting, you're at, you're at a company disrupting two different industries? A thousand percent. And I think in a lot of ways, there's this third industry, which is this <laughs> arguably self-help, you know, this concept yes. of how do you live your best life and how can financial decisions and choices shape who you are and how you choose to live. And so I do think that the upbringing of being exposed to so many things. And then I think my parents are just unique animals in that they instilled a sense of curiosity and a, a sense of being a challenger and questioning, like, why do we do it this way? And I think when you're exposed to a hundred ways cool. of doing things at a young age, you naturally gravitate towards that mindset. And so I very much think my feeling at home in fintech and the work we're doing at Facet is so linked to that challenging the status quo and figuring out how do we do it differently and better or, you know, just in a way that is more aligned with what, in our case, consumers need today and in the future. Mm -hmm. oh, amazing. And this is exactly why Shruti is opening up season two of What the Fintech revamped as Humans of Fintech because she gets it. She totally understands. Take us back to the moment you really did feel like Fintech would be the place where you'd have that sense of belonging, right? You kind of perfectly led into that. Look, all of us in fintech are, we're all kind of outsiders yes. in a way, right? And exactly. I think there's this omnipresent feeling that I've had throughout my life of being a little bit of an outsider. Same. And yeah, right? And just questioning, like, why does this financial services industry operate this way? And thinking a little bit about how it could be different. And so for me, I think fintech has been a natural evolution in my career, mostly because being a bit of an outsider gives us all a chance to think a little bit differently about what we're doing and how we can do this whole thing in a way that just makes more sense for where the world is going. And the financial services industry, you know, if you look at customer satisfaction and what consumers expect from the industry, it's so low, actually. It's not great. It's not great. Look at any J.D. Power survey. Totally. It's, it's like the lowest yeah. right now. And at least in the financial planning space, you know, the industry started in the late 60s and it was defined one way around just in investments and retirement. And it was very focused on a, the business model mm -hmm. of, in our case, charging a percentage of AUM. And that's just not what people need today. You know, people have hundreds of questions about money. Mm -hmm. Arguably, every decision is a financial decision. And so the way I think we have to think about the challenge has to evolve and the solutions that we bring to the market has to evolve as well. And I think that's the beauty of fintech, you know, across the industry, whether you're in planning mm -hmm. or in payments. I think there is that spirit of just taking a step back and saying, could we do this differently? And so for me, that was just that's a place that feels like home. Yes, I think. We're still at a place, though, where people are still needing to find that sense of belonging and find that sense of like there is a place that sits in between finance and technology. Yes. And is here to help create 
a version of social good or help create more equity in financial systems. It's like the reason I created this entire thing was was to elevate that sentiment. But I still feel like it's getting lost. Mm. I understand that. And I think maybe it's because this is such a rational industry. Yeah. Right. Like everything is so 40 bit. And, you know, it's sort of very, very numbers and $25,000 minimum. <laughs> right, right. And, Which, you know, X what? percent returns. And that's great. But I do think that there is so much humanity, you know, when you talk about humans of fintech, like mm-hmm. there is so much emotional. I mean, money is one of the most emotionally charged topics that mm-hmm. you can actually talk about, right? It's like people don't talk about religion, politics, and arguably money. It's, it's sort of taboo. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Um, do, you, do you think that like facet wealth and what the work that you're doing is able to kind of break down that barrier? Because that's the other aspect of it. The messaging is still so, right? It's taboo. It's not there. Why are we, money is like the thing that literally is the foundation of of happiness. And it isn't that having a lot of it is, it's the knowledge of it or how you work with it. And that's like the work that you're doing. So do you think that you're helping kind of change that messaging, right, with Facet Wealth and just yeah. being you? So just for me, there's this fascination I have with identity. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the past, right, your financial situation largely constrained your identity. Yep. You know, said otherwise, based on your financial situation, you lived a certain way. And it was a little bit more, you had sort of socioeconomic stratas and based on your means, you sort of had to do it a certain way. I think that's totally changed now. Mm-hmm. I think what people are realizing uh, more and more, and I think this is a big part of our work, is to help them also realize that financial choices are actually a way to express and explore your identity <sighs> and to figure out how do you want to express your values? How do you want to live? And every decision being a financial decision is also a way in life to actually choose how to express your value system. And I think, you know, that's why you see the billionaire driving the Prius or Mm -hmm. all of the different, you know, ways that our society has evolved. And so at Facet, you know, for us, we definitely want to help people with financial choices and relieving stress and helping them make sense of all the chaos that we live Mm -hmm. in. But I think a big part of it is self-actualization and helping people understand what's important to them and how do they want to live and how can money be a tool to express their value system Mm -hmm. and be proactive about that life. And I think when you really look at the magic and what we do for our clients, it's that connection of the rational and that very heavy emotional set of decisions that dictate how they live and how they feel. It's a revolutionary way of thinking, right? As opposed to money being the like source of your identity, you are in control of your identity and you can be in control of of your money and, and how whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, and how that does dictate your happiness and your version of that. And that is what you're showing people. Like, was there a person, was it your parents? Was it a, or, a, or a person maybe in your career that helped you kind of have these sort of revelations, right? Like, because that's hard for people. I'm still working on it. Like, we're all still working on finding ways to, like, make your money situation not such a burden on you or, like, You know, if you see an overdraft fee and you like break down, it's like not the best feeling in the world or like certain aspects. So anyways, is there a single person that helped kind of frame this mindset of yours? It's my mom. You know, my mother is this incredible, I think on several levels, by the way. So as it pertains to just 
pushing me to be curious and to challenge all of the decisions I make. I think my mom, <laughs> who's a PhD in chemistry and was this kind of lone ranger in a very male-dominated profession in a time, you know, where there were really very few women. I think she just was this rule breaker, you know, very much a entrepreneurial spirit and just somebody that pushed and wanted to always be the best. And I think so raised by that definitely give me the, or gave me, I should say, that first layer of, mm -hmm. you know, how do I approach a problem or how do I approach a situation? Mm -hmm. And then I think as it pertains to money, she really raised me with an incredible value system. And so much of our money psychology and the way we approach our finances is driven by how we were raised. And she taught me at a really young age, you know, live within your means and she taught me how to balance a checkbook and I had an allowance wow. and there were all of these. We talked about money. Oh, mom. Yeah, we talked That's about money. <laughs> and in a way, like she kind of, you know, where the whole, where we're all moving in terms of money being a way to express ourselves, I think she was that way a long time ago. And so I think having those, you know, those principles and those values instilled early by her just on those multiple levels definitely has helped shape who I am and how I think about the problem we're solving and what we're trying to do for consumers. And just that balance of head and heart, you know, that mm -hmm. it's not just a thing. Money especially is very rarely just a rational decision. Just think no. about decisions you've made. Have you made an irrational purchase? I mean, I know I have. <laughs> Yeah. Semi-regularly, yes. but I shouldn't say that on the record. <laughs> my mom's going to get mad at me when she, when she hears that one. Um, totally, yeah. yeah so I, probably my mom. Yeah, know? no, I, oh, I love that. I mean, so I, similar, my mom, she's an immigrant too. And so like she, you know, she comes here, she opened up like a credit card for me at a young age so I could start building credit right away. She had, you know, some some instances of like, oh, well, you just save and like the most you can and don't spend a lot, which sometimes can be good advice, but not always. But, you know, the, the the evolution, as we've kind of been talking about here, of how money is related to you and your identity, I think, is the biggest changing tide that we're seeing. And it's the reason why like consumer fintech and personal financial management and wealth tech is like booming right now. It's got like record deal prices and 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 funding. So anyways, that's just like, I'm like so excited about like the cultural shift here. But what is your take on like, what st stage of like infancy are we here? And like the shift of like people realizing that money and you can leverage things like FinTech or like platforms like Facet Wealth to have that switch of mindset. Mm. You know, money isn't your identity. You are your identity and money helps fuel that. Yeah, I think it's we're so early, you know, when you look at the industry and the messaging, it's still not really prevalent. Like you don't see mm -hmm. it everywhere. Right. And I think that talking about feelings and emotions, that's that's hard for people. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a little bit taboo. And the, we're all trained in this marketplace consumers to think about financial planning synonymously with investing your money and right right we're we're trained to think about it so a huge part of what we have to do is not only educate people but also start the conversation and community around topics related to how you live and that linkage that money is actually a tool and we like to say that wellness is financial wellness. And I think mm -hmm. there's obviously financial wellness has become a little bit of an overused <laughs> expression, which you know kind of makes me roll my eyes a bit. But I do think there's some truth to this idea that 
we have an increasing awareness that there is this expl- explicit linkage between well-being and your finances. And so to me, like step one is let's at least create that awareness. Right. And then it's okay, well then what do you do about it? And I think that's where our value proposition of thinking about every facet of your life and how money really does affect all of your life choices. How do we help guide people through that? So I think it's early, but I think it's going to be, you know, certainly we're in that unique position Mm -hmm. to lead that journey, you know, to take consumers on that journey, mostly because we sit at the intersection of, you know, that personal finance hub, right, where we can advise you on all of the various aspects Mm -hmm. of your financial life, whether it's budgeting or cash management or estate planning or taxes or so I think that you know it's early to answer your question yes, yes. but we're we're doing it yeah. <laughs> so well, we got yeah and, and we gotta we have to do it we have to keep, keep yeah keep moving on it right now that you're sitting in your seat right you have kind of the life experience the you know professional experience the evolution in your own mind right of, of what you know fintech platforms and, and money and, and identity can all become and and the future of you know culture how are you now today kind of embodying it with your work? Yeah, so I think for starters, you know, there's a very big focus at Facet in being authentic. So mm-hmm. internally, right, for us, there isn't like an internal versus external way of being. I think there is this drive to develop our brand and, you know, our company culture in a way that is completely aligned and authentic with what we put out in the world and what we aspire to do for our clients. Mm -hmm. And a huge part of our value system is that we are here for our clients. Like when it comes to our disruption of the fintech space, it's about building a consumer centric solution and looking at what consumers need for the future. Right. And I will say in in it not being a one size fits all product, I had to throw that in there because that is like, we're recording this the same week as fintech week and this will come out later, but like, it, the theme at FinTech Week still felt very much like we were pushing the audience to understand like you cannot just create one product that can fit anyone, if you will, because everyone needs personalization. Everyone's yes. situation is very different. I like moderated panel talking about um, FinTech for small to medium sized businesses. And I we're sitting there like, why are we acting like we can just build a tech stack and work for all these SMBs? You can't. Every SMB is different. Everyone has a different product. They have different needs. They have different yeah. like hopes and dreams and aspirations. So like that's, you know, exactly it. A thousand percent. And just to add to that point, everybody is different and personalization is so huge for us and putting that consumer first. And just to illustrate the point, I remember having a conversation, you know, with a few of our planners internally and you can have a person with the exact same financial profile, mm-hmm. but the nuance in their needs, their risk tolerance, the things that they want to accomplish, their expression of their identity or values mm-hmm. literally changes the advice that you would provide them. And so for us, this hybrid of what humans can capture in the nuance and then the emotional safety that our CFPs create for our, mm-hmm. our clients combined with what technology can do and what technology is amazing at, that hybrid is something that I think is so necessary and so meaningful in being able to deliver a highly personalized Mm -hmm. and relevant service. So I think, you know, for us, it's very much about putting the consumer first. And that 
allows us to express the service internally, externally, mm-hmm. in a way that I think is much more relevant or, you know, we have, we align ourselves to be able to solve the core problem that our consumers exactly. have. Exactly. Well, and that's where a lot of fintech platforms go wrong is that they, instead of trying to create something new and get to the root of the problem, they're not even getting there yet. They just think, okay, well, we have a fire or whatever, like, let's try to put it out with like technology and a solution. And that's just not going to work. You really have to like layer back and, and zoom out and say, but what is like the actual problem here? And that's exactly it is that we haven't been customized. We haven't been personalized. And so being able to actually do that is the start. And so I love that you guys are starting at that point because not everyone is thinking that way. So I remember the aspect of actually kind of think we were talking about like that personalization, actually being able to create solutions that go to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. And um, as opposed to just the thing about what people in fintech are trying to do sometimes is that they just take like the old traditional way, you know, say like the way the, the bank has done it, which is obviously has, is a little bit messed up. And then they'll just try to like change the skin or build on top of that solution or whatever. And it doesn't and it doesn't work if you're not actually getting to the real problem, which is the traditional financial institutions never intended on creating products for a diverse group of individuals. Yes, I think that's so true. You know, putting when you put a consumer or a client in the center and really think about their needs, mm-hmm. whether they're expressing it directly or indirectly, often consumers won't tell you exactly what they want, right? right? But if you take the time to put that at the starting point of the entire innovation process, I think you end up with a very, very different solution than if you think about engineering or technology actually driving the decision or, in some cases, the business model. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's something at Facet that we take really seriously. And we express it both internally in the way we operate of really that client-first mentality, but also externally, right? We want to make sure we're resonating, that we're bringing personalized solutions to the table. And I think this is why, for us, this notion of a hybrid technology and human company Mm -hmm. is the only way to actually address the problem we're solving for consumers, which is an ability to give them a financial planning solution that really changes the way they live. I mean, you have to have that human element or connectivity or program, whatever you want to call it, like in your in your company, whatever makes you feel comfortable. But at the end of the day, you have to like you have to go out there, you have to connect with them, you have to, you know, get to know them. I remember going like another conference I went to earlier this month there you know, was a speaker and there, it's like a financial planning wealth management conference. And someone asked the speaker like, oh, what, how, what are the, what are those steps to like personalization? Like she like wanted the strategy, which is so funny. And the speaker was like, well, why don't I ask you this? Why do you think your clients want to work with you? And she's like, cause I'm a good listener. And he's like, that's nice. That's not the answer. <laughs> um, and then she, he's like, try again. And she's like, um, uh, and she's like sweating. And He's literally like, well, can you tell me what makes you you? And his point was just like, don't struggle to tell me what makes you you. What are your hobbies? What do you like? What, how do you connect with someone? Do you connect with someone over music do you, or whatever it is? And she's like, you know, can't compute. She's like trying to understand like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> like I can actually be a human with my clients. I can like share with them what I like my my hopes and dreams and like whatever it is that fuels me and vice versa. So anyway, I just think that's so interesting because we're just not 
we still need to make that switch over to understanding like the professional can be just as human as because the client needs it. Absolutely. Especially when you take the financial planning aspect of the industry, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in the fintech space and you're handling payments and transactions on the back end, okay, you know, that's maybe a pure tech play. But we're talking about life. Mm-hmm. You know, for us, we're not even... Financial planning is arguably secondary, right? It's like right. for us, it's first about helping to understand what our clients are looking to do or what their goals are, or what their, you know, how they want to live, how they want to express their values. And sometimes that process is actually so valuable. I mean, very often the process of uncovering that for our clients is the most valuable thing because then the planning to some degree is all about aligning to those set of mm-hmm emotional drivers. And so for sure, like there are an infinite, infinite permutations mm-hmm. based on each individual and how unique their needs are. And, you know, I think I've shared this with you in the past, but just you can take two people that look exactly the same on paper from a financial yeah. standpoint, but because of who they are, their values, their risk tolerance, their profiles, you're going to have completely different personalized advice for them. And it has to be that way if you're really going to do right by the mm-hmm. by that client. Exactly. And then and technology and, and, the, and the data and all of the things that we're able to do now that we have such maturing technology is, is what makes it all of that possible. Um, yes. So I kind of want to ask, is there anyone in the fintech space or just in your you know world that you think is all like really doing a great job also embodying all of this, like someone that you think we should follow that listeners should like tune into as well? Well, there are a couple. Obviously, <laughs> our CEO, Anders Jones, you know, is on on social media and because he's leading the charge around a lot of what we're doing, mm-hmm. I think keeping up with what facets unique approaches to planning, I think is definitely one. But the other is Brent Weiss. And, you know, for us, education is paramount because, you know, you talked about how early are we in this journey of shifting the industry to understanding there's a lot more human to the mm-hmm. equation. And where's Brent Weiss from? So Brent Weiss is our co-founder yes. and he is our kind of chief educator, if you will. You know, he's okay. really out there. Not only he's a certified financial planner for one. Mm-hmm. And so he very much is rethinking how we educate consumers about financial planning topics. So he's written articles around the psychology of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, we'll also provide a lot of advice on real estate and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the more traditional topics on investing, et cetera. But, you know, Brent is very active. He's creating a video library of content in very simple bite-sized chunks. Nice. Um, he's out there writing a lot of content. And I think, It's interesting because I've spent a lot of time talking to Brent. A big part of how we want to educate consumers and make them more financially literate is by getting rid of the jargon. There's so much jargon in this industry. They did it on purpose, right? To confuse us. They did. They They really did. Going back to like the root of the problem, right? Let's like get rid of some of that because you can actually understand it. So I agree. I mean, in finance, in tech, in all of it, like why are we making it so hard to simply understand like the basic form of communication? And it's like, absolutely. Let's make it as hard as possible so that people are confused. Yeah. Yeah. it, it really is. It's intentionally confusing. And in the last five years, I mean, with crypto and SRI, and oh you know, gosh. we were having a conversation the other day and it was like, it's this co- financial content tornado, <laughs> yeah. really. And like it half is. of our battle is to help people navigate it and yes. simplify it and make sense of it. It's really intimidating. And I think consumers either check out of it 
And what's already an avoided topic becomes more avoided because now there's just this like additional feeling of right. FOMO. And yeah. and that's how the traditional financial institutions end up grabbing them even more, right? Yeah. When I was thinking about that J.D. Power survey we were talking about earlier, I it just like came out. It's like a retail banking uh, satisfaction survey. And it had mentioned how you know majority of consumers are not happy with their uh, user experience with their bank, but... 60% or plus of them have no intentions of changing it simply because it's difficult, it's like time consuming, it's annoying, whatever. Yeah. And that's like crazy yeah. to think about because it's crazy. Yeah, because there's fintech, there's solutions, but anyways. Yeah. Well, it ends up being just so entrenched, right, in the way that a company does business. What is one piece of advice that you would give? We were talking about feeling like, uh, outsiders earlier and kind of finding our sense of belonging here. So what would you give to someone maybe that is either, you know, in fintech or maybe thinking about joining and is feeling like an outsider? How can you how can they feel a little bit more like they belong? Be the outsider. <laughs> Own it, you know, embrace it because that's what the industry needs. I think that in a way it's the spirit of fintech. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think maybe embracing that being a part or belonging in fintech is in fact embracing that outsider mentality and mm -hmm. feeling a bit like it's okay to to question, you know, to question things and to come. Some of the most exciting innovations in the space have come from people that are out of category um, mm -hmm. and, you know, have some sort of there's you'll often see a co-founder that knows about the industry and a co-founder that doesn't. And I think that combination is so yeah. powerful to be able to navigate it. So I think the advice is, you know, I think this industry needs outsiders to change the way that things have been for a long time and to put consumers first mm -hmm. and to think about how we solve the problems down to the root by, you know, thinking differently mm -hmm. and thinking about the people we serve as human connections and not just as transactions. Totally. Um, but yeah. I love that advice. Own it. Cause that's, you know, what you did, right? You, you owned who you are and then found yourself, you know, a part of the industry. And I think that is the big theme, the big message that I, I hope listeners feel when they, when they listen to this episode, to, to the series, um, is that you can be yourself and you can be that disruptor. And that is what actually brings you on the inside. Absolutely. And I do think that this whole idea, you know, that you're bringing to the table of being human, right? And like mm -hmm. just connecting that sort of humanness to financial services and technology. I think that that's, you know, especially if you're an outsider that can embrace that, I think it will drive a lot of positive change that the fintech industry needs. Absolutely. Well said. Final question, Shruti, what can we expect from you and Facet Wealth next? Oh, my goodness. Well, for starters, <laughs> we have, you know, we're in a very high growth phase. For us, it's 100% on continuing to deliver the absolute best service to our clients mm -hmm. and spreading the message to more and more consumers yes. how there is this transformational nature to our service in terms of how people live. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's going to be a lot more that people will hear around that message and blending the emotional and very rational pieces of financial planning and getting people to think a little bit differently about how they relate to what planning should do for them. Mm -hmm. And we always say, you know, it's financial planning as it should be, because mm -hmm. this is, you know, if you're really solving the consumer problem, it's providing advice for everything that 
touches money in your life. So as we evolve, you know, what people can expect is facet really positioning ourselves as this financial, personal finance hub, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and being that conduit to the rest of the industry and helping make sense of the chaos and the noise. And that's why, for example, we now have rolled out an estate planning solution. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been doing some beta on taxes. So it's really about rounding out that story. We have a growing number of partnerships where we can advise our clients and be that one-stop shop on other services, whether it's insurance or, again, it's that idea of everything money touches. And because we are a subscription service, which is what makes us so dis- you know disruptive in the space, mm-hmm. we don't charge on AUM, that allows us to actually provide that kind of advice across the entire a person's entire mm-hmm. financial life. So I think as we evolve and we get further into this year, I think people are going to see more and more of that story and that reality as we continue to bring all of our offering to market. Amazing. And a story that needs to be told and shared. And I'm so excited. I You also just raised a $100 million, uh, massive, massive success. So congratulations on everything, Shruti. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Humans of FinTech. This is such a pleasure. I listeners are in for a treat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much to everyone listening in. Thank you to Shruti for joining us live in our podcast studio here. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe on all of the things. You can find me on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show and give it five stars as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. Until next time.